Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Bank. I'm here with Gabe Ferguson. I'm Jordan Coe, um, recording for Baltimore Sports and Life. Check us out there. We both write articles about the Ravens, um, obviously involved in the podcast here, active um, members of the message board that we'd love to see and hear from you there and um, have some ideas. We've heard from a couple of people about what they want us to cover. So we'll be doing wide receivers in the next episode. Um, but for tonight, we wanted to be talking a little bit about edge guys and um, not just outside linebackers, but guys that will be playing on the edge of whatever whatever the defense looks like. Um, and, you know, I think we want to start the conversation around um, value in the same way we did with inside linebackers. Yeah, so the, we talked about inside linebacker a little bit and how the position has been devalued to a certain extent. Um, and I think that while there's some truth to the fact that you can find players in the middle of the draft at pretty much any position, the edge rushers may be more than any other position outside of offensive tackle and quarterback, kind of the position you need to draft early to get the, the real good talent. And once you start going outside of the past first couple of rounds, then I think there's a pretty steep drop off in terms of the kind of talent that you can um, acquire. And I think this class is uh, perhaps one of the strongest examples of that. Um, you know, we, we'll talk about the different names over time, but I think after the first two or three rounds, and the, it looks like the, the cupboard is pretty bare. And I think for the Ravens, a team that, you know, has a decent looking roster, they have some players on the edge for 2020. But looking past 2020, I think there is a definite need for addressing this position. And we have to remember the draft is not just for the upcoming season, it's for the seasons that are coming after that as well. So the Ravens have three players who are going to be playing on the last year of their contract at outside linebacker and Jihad Ward, Matthew Dunn, and Tyus Bowser. And there needs to be a plan in place in order to replace those players because it's unlikely that all three of them will be retained. So the draft is probably the best place to get young talent. And there are a lot of potential options that Ravens will see. Um, I think that the first three rounds is kind of a necessity if you want to have the cupboard stopped, so to speak, for the next several years. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with that when it comes to to what the value looks like and what we've got from a position player standpoint. I mean, there are definitely fewer guys. There are a couple of positions where the Ravens are just going to be short a couple of guys in in really what seems like no time at all, um, and they got to get figured out. And I think outside edge is one of those. Um, and there aren't a ton of guys that that it looks like um, are going to be there later in the draft. So maybe the Ravens do have to hit on these kind of in those mid to early round picks or. You know, in that first round, if there's a guy that they like there. Um, so I thought the best way for us to kind of go through some of these guys is to approach it like a little bit like a draft and we'll do it for edge guys. And I'll let you pick first, Gabe, and we can talk a little bit about each one of those guys and who we like and why we like them better or worse than some of the other guys that we've taken a look at. Okay. Um, it sounds like a good plan. Um, so we're not going to talk about Chase Young because he's probably the best player in this draft class, and he's going to be taken in the first three almost assuredly. And unless the Ravens want to trade their entire draft class and probably a couple of future first-round picks, I don't see them landing him. So we could talk about the value of potentially doing that, but I don't think that's a discussion maybe for this podcast. Um, so I think 
the next best edge rusher, edge defender in this class is Clavon Chason out of LSU. Um, he is probably the next most athletic edge defender, I would say, after after Young. Um, he has good size. He has had an injury history. Um, I believe last year, 2018, he lost the season due to an ACL, I believe. Um, so that's a somewhat of a red flag, but he played all of 2019. And it didn't look like he lost any of his kind of explosiveness, quickness. Um, I think he is a bit raw as a pass rusher still. He doesn't have a very refined skill set in terms of pass rush arsenal. But I think that he makes up for it with the athleticism. You see some incredible speed and bend off the edge. He also is able to move very well. LSU used him on a lot of stunts. Um, and I think he was devastatingly effective in those um, instances where he was asked kind of to stunt to the inside as a you know a defensive tackle, or essentially would would kind of take the in, inner half of like the guard or the tackle and open up that rush lane. I think that's something that we'll see the Ravens do a lot in this coming season is use a lot of twists and stunts up front. And a player with the athleticism of Chason would be a perfect fit, honestly, for what the Ravens want to do. Um, he's a good run defender. I think he gives a lot of effort. Um, I think that's one of the things he, you really like seeing about him and something that the Ravens tend to value in their players are players that are always playing hard, always giving 110% effort, you know, trying to run down plays from behind, never giving up on plays. I think that is what uh, Chason embodies. Um, and in terms of his value, in my opinion, he's probably a first-round draft pick um, on any, in any class. He's definitely a first-round draft pick in this class. And he might go as early as the top 15 and 20. He probably won't be there when the Ravens draft at pick 28. They might be interested in you know, trading up a few spots for him. I don't think he's someone you would want to trade all the way up into the teens to get, but if he sl starts to slide a little bit into the low 20s, that becomes interesting for him. Um, do you have any thoughts on Jason? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we were talking a little bit, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, uh, like Uche, um, when we were talking about the edge guys, and it seemed like a lot of his production was coming um, in games that weren't against other kind of Big Ten teams and not, you know, not in kind of like powerhouse you know, setting. Um, I think my problem with Chason that I saw is that he didn't pop on film to me for a guy that would have kind of that first round. You could see the athleticism and it flashed at times, um, but his film wasn't gaudy. Um, and if it was, you know, obviously he wouldn't be the 15 to 20 kind of pass rusher. So he definitely needs some work. I've got a problem with a guy that doesn't play better when he's surrounded by a ton of talent like that, though. Um, I think some of the reasons why he was so effective on stunts and and why you could see him be really effective at times was because he was just mismatching and they were using him as mismatching um, and LSU was just a better coach team. Um, I, I didn't think he got as much bend um, as I would have liked to see and I thought he, he'd rush up the field. I watched about three games of him. I thought he rushed too far up the field at times um, and not have good angles and just get past the play. Um, and so he probably did have bend at that point, but it, it, his, his sense of like where that spot was, wasn't that great. And so, you know, you talk about a guy like Terrell Suggs, right. Where, where he, he came out as like this intuitive backer linebacker, right. Like he really seemed to have a good grasp of the game, like the nuances, the little things that like he really picked up. 
Um, and so for a guy like Chase Sonny, he seems to, to, it struck me that he didn't have a lot of those tools in his belt. Um, and I worry that you can't teach those things. Um, you know, the, if you don't have that instinct for it, especially rushing the, the passer, that, that is, you're never going to see it. And statistically, Chase Sonny was not really wowing anybody either. Yeah, so I, I agree with everything you just said in terms of him not always showing up in terms of production. I think he was a little bit um, unrefined, as I, as I mentioned. He's very raw, I think, as a pass rusher. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit in terms of I think that's something that can be taught. I think more so than a, a lot of positions, it's not necessarily like an instinctual thing. It's actual technique that can be learned um, when you're a pass rusher. You can learn better ways to use your, your hands, better ways to do your footwork. You can learn counter moves. You can learn a lot of things as a pass rusher. What you can't learn is the explosiveness. You can't learn the bend. Um, those are kind of natural traits. And I think that Chason possesses those. I would agree with you that he doesn't flash them. Or I should say he doesn't, you don't see them consistently show up. He does flash them. Um, and I, and like, I still will go back to what I, what I mentioned earlier, and that's the effort from him. Um, I think with a lot of edge rushers, you kind of see players that burn hot or cold um, if the play is going the other way, they'll kind of loaf after it. I never saw that with him. He was always aggressive. He always wanted to be in on every single play. I think that's something that teams, Ravens included, will really value. And, you know, he's not an old player. Um, he hasn't had that many reps in college. I mentioned he lost a season to an injury. Um, I think in that way, he, he kind of might be seen as kind of like this ball of moldable clay that uh, a defensive player can or a defensive coach can can really mold in some, in some truly uh, really um, impressive when it comes when he when it's a finished product. Um, and I might actually make a comparison here to another LSU player, um, which would be Danielle Hunter, who came out what four or five years ago, and he was just this athletic guy who really didn't produce much at all. He went a lot later in the draft. I think he was a third round pick, um, but he didn't really show much as as a pass rusher when he was in college but he had this kind of athletic mold um and he got to minnesota and he became one of the best pass rushers in the league um i think he showed those natural kind of traits and i think chase on a, a similar kind of uh ability to get to that high upside if he's if he you know can stay healthy if he can keep that motor burning and if he really takes to the to teaching that he would in coaching that he would get at the nfl level yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, the other thing to point out here is when I'm watching tape on these guys, I'm watching it like I'm watching tape. I'm not watching to see, you know, how they're going to develop. I don't have keys and things that, you know, some of the scouts the Ravens are going to have that they look for when they're drafting projectability about some of these guys. I'm looking for what they're doing on tape against the guy that's in front of them sometimes. Um, and I think that, you know, from my perspective, that can knock a few guys down like Chason that are a little bit more raw. Um, to have a long way to go. But I also think those guys carry a lot more risk. Um, you know, Daniel Hunter was a third round pick for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, always have to look at it from that lens. Um, so if you took Chase on off the board first, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. Um, the guy that I like the most is Bound. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I think, okay. I think he's worthwhile of the Ravens first round pick. The more I watched of him, I probably saw five games of his time. I was really impressed with one, his first two steps, both his first and his second step. Um, 
And there are some guys that we'll talk about more that had good second steps and set up guys really well, but Baum could do both. Um, he'd rush from all kinds of different angles. He could squeeze between tackle and guard. Um, he stunted, he dropped in coverage. Um, he was always hungry kind of for the ball. Um, you know, obviously had that kind of fighter in him, but also really strong with his hands, um, both when he was rushing inside and outside. And even though he was a smaller guy, he would still win against much bigger guys and he'd set them up. He beat them both ways. He would definitely, he was beating guys on the edge and bending and getting to the quarterback. And he was setting guys up later in games and putting them on their heels and then coming to the inside. Um, he had spin move. I mean, he had a lot of tools in his belt to begin with. And I could see him being a guy that could play 20, 30% of the snaps for the Ravens and have an impact in those snaps if they <clears> used him in the right way. Um, seemed to be a really smart guy. Obviously his size is a knock. Um, yeah. Can he hold up? Can he set the edge? Um, you know, I liked him at the point of attack, but you know, it's so hard to tell in college whether or not some of these guys are, are going to be able to play at that next level in the same way. Um, yeah. I really liked him. That's, that's an interesting take. It's not something that I was expecting you to say, but it makes sense because I, I agree. You watch his film, you know, he's, he's, he's just a really good pass rusher. I, would, I mean, he, and he can do a lot of different things. Like he has an arsenal of pass rush moves. He's quick. He's, he's got the athleticism. It's, just, it's really just a matter of his size. I think if he was 15, 20 pounds heavier, we'd be talking about him as like a top 15 like pick. He would probably definitely be the number two guy on boards. Um, but, you know, you don't have many edge guys in the NFL who's under 240. That's just, that's tough to, that's tough to hold up um, against offensive tackles that have 100 pounds on you, tight ends who have 40 pounds on you. That's just like, that's really a challenge, I think. And I think you have to be creative with guys like that. I mean, we've seen like Ty's Bowser, who's probably a little bigger than that, but not a lot bigger than that. He has issues, I think, in run defense. That's, that's one of the reasons why the Ravens don't play him on early downs is because he can just, teams would just run at him if you, if you had him out there. And I think that is, you know, one of the reasons why you have to be very careful when you're looking at a guy like, bound as an edge guy and maybe you can figure out a way to use him inside on early downs and then use him on the edge in pass rush situations or um and maybe kind of cross train him in, for two different positions that's asking an awful lot of any player i think but if you can have the kind of faith in what he can do maybe i don't know did the ravens interview him have you seen that you know, i don't i don't have a, i don't have that on hand i'm not sure yeah, it's the kind of thing that i think uh, a coaching staff or front office might, you know, ask a guy who comes in for an interview or maybe does like a, a Skype with in this uh, coronavirus situation. You know, what is what is your experience playing off the ball? How 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 comfortable are you? Maybe transitioning or playing a kind of like a, a combo role where you take on both responsibilities. And for a rookie, I feel like that's asking a lot. Maybe like you said, you use him as a starting off just as a situational pass rusher. Um, and then seeing if he can develop into something a bit more than that. But yeah, I was that's... also, yeah, I was impressed with his ability to shed, um, mm -hmm. which is the thing that you watch for on some of these little guys, right? Yeah. Um, if, if they can't shed, then that's going to be a problem. And when I was looking at some of these other guys, there were guys I saw on film that were much bigger than him that were just not good at shedding. Um, mm -hmm. Ipanisa, Aquara were two guys that played very vertical. And once the linemen got their arms into them, they, they it was over. 
um, and they would disappear for huge stretches on film. Um, and that, you know, for the five games that I watched at Bowden, that never happened for him. Um, and he was always finding a way to fight through and do something different when he was getting slowed down. And I think that's what I liked from what I saw of him. Again, this is, you know, talking about what you're seeing on film, the Ravens should have a good feel of whether or not he can match up against those tackles, who those tackles were, whether or not they're pro caliber or future pro caliber and, and how they want to evaluate him on those two, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we can talk about the next guy that I would have on my list. And, and you just mentioned him actually. So it would be um, AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. Um, he's not the most athletic player. I would have to say that's kind of where you'd start with him, but he uses his length. He's a very large defender. I think he's about 275, um, you know, 6'5", very long arms. Um, and that's really where his, his play style comes from. He uses his length well. Um, I, I think he's more of a technician, power kind of guy. Then he's not going to beat you with speed off the edge, but he um, he knows how to use his his arms and his and his strength to his advantage. He has a pretty devastating kind of push-pull maneuver that he can do on the edge. I've seen him, you know, beat a couple of NFL caliber uh, offensive tackles that way. Um, he's also actually really productive when he's moved to inside kind of as a three technique. And he has a size to hold up there. And he can then, you know, use a little bit more of his quickness that doesn't necessarily allow him to win on the edge. But when he's inside, he can have that first step quickness and some of that, you know, length to help him beat some of the guards that maybe he wouldn't be able to bend the edge on a tackle, but inside it works well for him. Um, I think he's a good run defender. He's not, he's not outstanding. He just kind of, you know, seals the edge pretty well. He's not incredible in terms of like, like you mentioned, he's not, he doesn't necessarily stack and shed exceptionally well, but I, I do think he can, um, set the edge. Um, He's not a guy you see driven off the ball very frequently. Um, so I, I think that kind of versatility that he brings in terms of being, being able to play on the edge, being able to play maybe some defensive tackle, um, you know, I, you see him drop off the coverage here and there, but that's definitely not his, like, his forte. Um, and then, yeah, I think he's just another guy that has size and length, and that's something that the Ravens seem to have wanted in this offseason, you know, bringing in... Um, well, they were going to bring in Brockers. He was kind of a you know, bigger length and size guy. Obviously, Clays Campbell is maybe the longest defender in the NFL in terms of his overall size. Derek Wolf also has, has considerable length. I think they want to get more athletic and longer um, ability to be versatile on the defensive front. Um, and I think Epinesa would, would definitely add to that ability. Yeah, I think my problem with him is he didn't strike me as athletic. I mean, he yeah. certainly fits the profile of the build, and he's got the size. Um, but there were some other guys that I think that are later on that we'll talk about that use better use of their size. Um, I felt like he disappeared a lot. Um, even in the games, like I watched the Nebraska game where he just racked up a ton of statistics. Um, and in the first half, it was almost like he didn't do anything like until Nebraska was down by too much and they were chasing. And, and then a couple of the sacks were just completely unblocked. Um, and yeah, there are plays where he's super flashes and you see kind of that highlight where you're like, wow, that was really great. But there are stretches where Epinesa for a guy that didn't do great at the combine, I can see why he's sliding down boards now because he just 
he vanishes for too long and he's not great enough on either the athleticism or the other side of things um, to be able to take it to the next level. Um, I, he was a guy that I kind of, you know, from what everybody was talking about him that I, I thought I would want the Ravens to be in on if he fell to them um, in the first round. I, I don't know that I feel that way anymore after watching, watching his film. Um, he was definitely strong, but he wasn't quick. And, and if you watch Calais Campbell as the example Clayus Campbell's effective because, and it, it, we, I talked about this earlier, it's not his first step, it's actually his second step. And Campbell sets you up with his first step and then has that lateral wiggle. And Bounhat showed that too, has lateral wiggle to be able to decide what he wants to do next and then accelerate through that second step. Epinesa for me, he either needed to beat you with that first move or, or he tied you up. But if he beat you with the first move, it looked really great. Now, can he build on that strength? Can he get stronger in the NFL? Are there chances for him to be able to do that? Yeah. Um, do I like him in the first round for the Ravens or even like a trade back of like five or 10 spots? I think my answer to, to Epinesa on that one is going to be a no. Um, I just really expected from everything else I was hearing about him to really pop on film. Um, everyone was kind of like, look, he's, he's not athletic. He, you know, he, he kind of does a lot of the dirty grunt work, but when you, when you see his film, you'll understand how he filled the box score so much. Um, and, and I didn't see it. My only other concern with him is that he played mostly from what the, the games that I watched in a four point stance. Um, and if the Ravens draft him to be an outside guy, he's going to have to do it from a two point stance. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be able to be effective in that role either. I think if the Ravens drafted him, he might actually be a defensive end for them. Um, I think he'd have to be. Yeah. I, I mean, there might be some situations where you would stand him up and play him at outside linebacker, but he's, to me, he looks more like your traditional five technique um, in the three, four. And I think he also has that ability to kick inside and be more effective on passing downs as an interior rusher than as an edge rusher. And that kind of versatility is something that is useful. Um, I mean, we've seen the Ravens do that with many, many players in the past, you know, Pernell McVie, obviously, um, and even Zadarius Smith, who I think kind of athletically is similar to Epinesa. He's, he was never an elite athlete, but um, he was powerful with his hands. Um, and I, I think Epinesa has some of that in him. And I think if he's allowed to play inside in a number of different roles, whether that's as a three technique or you know even standing up and rushing over a, a guard, uh, I think he can be very successful in that role. Um, but and then maybe on early downs, you know, you have him as kind of like the edge setter as an outside linebacker. He's not a guy you're going to want to drop in coverage, which is one of the things that gives me a little pause with him because the Ravens don't necessarily like linebackers that are pretty strictly just guys around the line of scrimmage. Um, they like to have their line or outside linebackers drop into coverage. Um, last year we saw Jalen Ferguson not do that very much. He was a guy who was pretty much just. In a role that I think, frankly, um, we would see Epinesa play similarly. So maybe a lot of it has to do with how they see uh, Ferguson and what he can develop into. Um, in terms of their physical build, they're actually quite similar. Um, Epinesa is maybe a little heavier and maybe built a little better than, than Ferguson. But um, I think in terms of their play styles, there's a lot of similarity there. So that might be a reason why they wouldn't go that direction. Yeah. Well, I think the guy that I would take next fits a similar build. They looked a lot, they look similar in size and strength, um, but I thought his film was a lot better. And that's uh, Gross Matos from Penn State. Um, I liked him a lot better than Epinesa. Um, 
not a great first step for either of these guys. Um, but Gross Matos was, I thought, an incredible, had an incredible ability to shed regularly. Um, really strong hands and really violent when he got into his offensive lineman. Um, there were too many times for Epinesa for me where he got in contact with the offensive lineman and their arms just kind of tangled up and it seemed like they got lost. Um, but I thought the thing that really stood out to me about Gross Matos more than anything um, was his awareness. He played with his head up all the time. Um, and if he wasn't in the right hole and they were going the other way, he seemed to have an ability to get into those spots, to kind of make the secondary plays along the line of scrimmage, have a good sense of which way the quarterback was going. Um, I didn't get that feel from when I watched Epinesa on tape. Um, and when you watch a guy, again, not to go back to, I mean, Clance Campbell is a tremendous football player. Um, but if you watch his film, what you see is not just his ability to command the offensive lineman at the line of scrimmage, but his ability to keep his head up, see where the play is going, and be able to make adjustments within his play on what he's seeing in front of him. And so it's not just not just the physical ability that you get from that guy, but it's the awareness that you get from that guy. Um, I question whether or not you can teach that. I, I know earlier you said you think that's a that's a thing that you can help guys learn. Um, you know, I, you know, I think for the same reason that you don't like Kenneth Murray, um, you know, you could make the same argument about some of these guys that if they're if they can't process it, um, you know, are they really going to ever be able to pick some of those kind of things up? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I really liked what I saw on film from Gross Matos. But again, I think he fits the same mold of what you were just talking about, where he's a guy that isn't going to be able to play in space. Obviously, he's a bigger guy, 6'5", um, in the upper 200s in terms of weight. And so he's not going to be dropping into pass coverage. He is going to play more kind of on the edge and early downs so than maybe slide inside, which he did um, with some regularity after that. But I thought he played really well kind of inside and outside. So if that's the way the direction the Ravens would want to go, I would be happy, gladly willing to take him if he's a, the kind of guy, particularly if he falls you know, past the Ravens pick to trade back for, um, he'd be a guy I'd be really happy with. I think that I have a similar opinion as, as uh, for Gross Matos as you have for Epinesa in that I just, I just wasn't uh, really impressed with him. Um, I, I thought that he played very hot and cold. There was, there was huge stretches, I thought, where he just was a guy or he wasn't involved in any plays. Um, I don't think the production was really in line with what you would want from a player with his physical traits. Um, I mean, he's a guy who looks the part of an NFL defensive end. He's like 6'4", like 270. Um, I think he is more athletic than Epinesa, uh, maybe even by a considerable margin. But I just didn't see that in terms of his ability to dominate, um, and basically it was the same competition that they, they went against in the Big Ten. I thought Epinesa was much more productive than Gross Matos. Um, just in terms of the hurries that I was seeing, um, pressures, sacks, that kind of thing. Um, I, I do think that there is something to work with there, um, similar to what I said about with Jason. You know, you have the physical traits that are give you a, a ceiling. Um, I think he could potentially be a very good player, um, but I don't. I didn't see that kind of motor with him that I saw with Chase on. I didn't see that kind of fierce competitiveness. Um, he honestly, just kind of looked like he wasn't interested in a lot of plays, and and maybe that was just you know the sampling of film that I that I saw on him. Um, I thought that he could flash potential at times, and when he either 
was, you know, allowed to kind of be aggressive and pursue um, plays, he was really productive. I, I don't think that maybe it was a coaching thing. Maybe it was, you know, they're, that's, that's another thing about looking at edge players in college. The way they align, um, the kind of the responsibilities they have, you never really know for sure. Sometimes they're asked to play the run first and then to get off to the passer. Um, and if you can just like look at the plays where guys lined up kind of like in that wide alignment and you can just rush a passer, there's probably maybe like a couple dozen over the course of the season where you get that real true like NFL third and long kind of situation. And, and because college teams are just so much different than what NFL teams are like. Um, it's really hard to evaluate some of those specific, like contextual, like pass rush plays. Um, so it, it's hard to say for sure. I, I think that I would agree with you. He's a player that I think I would want if the Ravens could trade back, maybe into the, a little later into the first round, or early second round. I think he's a player that has some value there. Um, I I wasn't super impressed with his run defense for someone who was bigger. I, I didn't think he really was able to use his size and his length effectively. I saw some players who were smaller than him. I thought even like Chase on, for instance, I just saw more effort. I saw more ability to stack shed, you know, make tackles. Um, I, I think when Chris Matos was kind of unblocked or, or left to go after his player, he, he was really, really impressive looking. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just, not sure he's a player that is a like a first round grade for me. I think he would be like a second, probably, just yeah, because of the upside. Your, yeah. your take, uh, our takes on those guys are completely, you know, I think the inverse of each other. So, it'll it, be and it's yeah, Ravens rate those guys. Um, and I, so I think the next guy that I would have on my my board would be probably be uh, Terrell Lewis from Alabama. Um, he's another guy who looks apart in terms of it of his size and his um, length his athleticism um you you do see him kind of dropping off into coverage sometimes um that's something that alabama does you know they have more of kind of like an nfl like defense and i think that's going to give any bama player a bit of an advantage as they go into the nfl they're probably more ready to pick up some of the defensive schemes um you know nick saban he's you know he's well known for his pedigree of defensive players i think lewis is another kind of person who will fall into that category of just being well coached to college and he'll be ready to come and have a, a role in any NFL defense. Um, I think at this point though, he is a much better run defender than pass rusher. Um, I've, I've, and even his run defense is sometimes can be spotty, but he, when he's locked in and playing his best, he's, he might be the best run defender of any of these edge guys. I mean, he can just, he can really get his hands on you and, and, you know, stacks, shed, you know, do the whole thing. He's a very good run defender. Um, I know that's something the Ravens are going to value in their outside linebackers. Um, I'm not entirely sure when he will go in the NFL draft. Um, I did mention he's had some injuries. I think that's something that might cause his draft stock to fall. I think if he was, you know, perfect, no injury flags at all, he might be a first round option, but that's basically just looking at his kind of physical build and his upside. Um, I think, you know, he's probably in the upper like 10% of athletes, I would say. Um, so there's a lot of upside there. I think he's probably of all the guys we talked about so far, the least polished as a pass rusher. Um, there's really no plan. I think more than anything else, 
which is a problem. Um, he has some of the raw traits, but unlike a guy like Chase on it, I think where he you did you see flashes where he could um, you know show those actual pass rush moves. I rarely saw that from Lewis. So maybe some of it can be taught. I think that at the very worst, you're getting an athletic edge defender who was good against a run, and he can probably play against the pass too in terms of dropping the coverage. But in terms of pass rusher, it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, I thought I thought he flashed sometimes. When he would win, he would win very quickly, and he would get in the backfield or get to the quarterback. He was effective when those things needed to happen, right? Um, but when he did it, win, he totally, I agree with your assessment. He looked lost. Um, his bend, he looks like he's athletic enough to bend, but he didn't know how. Um, is, is the note that I have written here. I thought he was okay in pass coverage, but yeah, I thought he was good on the edge. I, and I agree. I think there's real upside that you, you see in their system there. And there is certainly more complexity um, to the snaps that he was taking. So if he's a guy that the Ravens are getting with the third, um, the second, second, or the first, third round pick, um, I'm going to be really happy with that if they haven't taken an edge rusher and some of these other guys are off the board. Um and I, I think you could be right there. You know, the guy that I think, you know, it's ironic that we're kind of ranking these guys in the style and type of players that are similar. I like Daryl Taylor um, from Tennessee mm. better than Terrell Lewis. Um, truly a great arsenal of moves. Really not a great first step, but very good at setting up his offensive lineman into what he wants to do. Always seem to have a plan really seem to understand it. Also, I felt very good of everybody um, that I looked at from the edge guys that could drop into coverage um, and actually play pass coverage in the open field. There were a couple times where he was actually taking looks away from quarterbacks where they wanted to go places when he was dropping um, in pass coverage. Um, he had great bend and he, he, he could box shit. Um, he was always fighting to get off. Um, I thought he was good because he was good at box good at block shedding. He was also good on the edge. And I thought that made him a solid run defender. So he kind of, he wasn't elite really at anything, but I thought he had a lot of skills to do everything. Um, and that made me particularly like him. Um, also not on a great defense, doesn't have a ton of talent around him and would stand out on film um, because of that. I think when you, when I watched Terrell Lewis and Chase on and other guys that were on these elite defenses, um, they weren't flashing enough for me when they should be getting they, they should be getting better matchups because they're not able to be isolated as much. And so Taylor was a guy I really liked because of that. I like Taylor too. Um, I'm not sure if I would say second round. For me, he was more of like a third round grade um, just because, like you said, I don't think he's great at anything. Um, I do think he has a pretty high upside as a pass rusher. Um, I think he's – he didn't test, I don't think, at the combine because of an injury. Um, but I think he is one of the more athletic guys in this draft, just like watching him on film in terms of his, you know, just kind of lateral kind of movement. Um, he, like, I don't know if he has like the best first step, like you said, but, um, he can bend really well. Um, I think he's got some of that agility. Um, there is a little bit of like, kind of like a burst that he has. And he, he's also pretty good when it comes to like kind of the twists and stunt games um so much to chase on i think he did really well there and that requires a certain level of athleticism to succeed in that role um so i i like him um uh, maybe maybe in the second round um you know that wouldn't be that might be a good place for him um but i, I think for me probably a little bit more like a third round for taylor just because some of the injury history um and then you know 
don't know. It's just I didn't see too much as a run defender. Um, I kind of saw him and as also being one of those guys who takes plays off. Um, but, you know, it, that's that may not be the worst thing in the world if you can do it, um, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to guys who just aren't good at run defending, as, as the guy I'm going to mention next, which is uh, Julian Aquara of yeah. Notre Dame. Um, I mean, first, let's talk about the, the good for him first. I think he might be the most refined pass rusher of, of any of these guys, um, just in terms of technically how he uses his hands, um, how he sets up, uh, you know, tackles. Um, he's he's athletic, he's long, um, he's got good size. So he has a lot of positives with him. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy more than anybody who would be able to consistently generate pressure throughout the course of a game. He didn't always finish in terms of getting the sack, but there weren't, he wasn't the kind of person who would just be locked out for the, the entire game. He he was kind of cerebral, I think, when it came to his pass rush. He has a plan. He knows how he's going to attack, um, and he has kind of the refinement to do that. Um, and he also has the athletic, you know, kind of skill set to be able to execute there. Um, what you don't like with him is that he's not a good run defender, and he's not the biggest edge guy. I think he's probably maybe 250. He's probably on the lower side um in terms of his weight which might have been a problem for him he does a decent length but he just too many times got blown off the ball um and sometimes that's just by even a tight end uh, you could see that sometimes um, sometimes he was okay i mean there were it wasn't like every single time he was not five yards backwards but um when you're going against college tackles you don't want to see a guy consistently being pushed backwards um and i think that's a problem with him and it's probably why he's going to be going in the late second or early third instead of the first round which if he was a more complete player i think he could be um so that that's my take on on aquara i wouldn't hate him in the second round i think as a situational pass rusher he would have value but you have to hope that he can improve as a as a run defender yeah, I also thought his his run defense was not good. Um, but beyond that, I, I just thought his awareness was really poor. Um, you know, he when he was focused and locked into the guy that he needed to beat, he could do it. Um, and he and he kind of had pursuit when he was getting after the quarterback. But they asked him to drop in pass coverage from time to time. There was one where he like slipped out. There was a, a quick wide receiver screen, and it was clearly his guy. And he's just. He just ran right by his guy when they passed it to him. And and it just like in the open field didn't look great. Just, I don't know. Again, just one of those guys where it seemed like if the play was going right and his job was to go to the left, he was still going left, even though everybody else was going in the other direction at times to me. Um, and so maybe you can teach these guys to be a little bit more aware and how to play with their head up and to do some of those kind of things. Um, but if I'm, you know, my preference of if I was the guy making the draft picks, I want the guys that are going to be more aware I'm not going to have to teach them that stuff. I can do more complex things with them early on. Um, and when I think about Martindale and what he's Wings trying to do, I see him trying to play chess more often. And that means that I don't want to be spending that time teaching these guys how to, how to take the first step before I can even get into year two, really doing complex stuff with them. And so we can only have so many guys that you can do that with. Um, and I think that's part of why I like balance so much, you know, is that, that it seemed like he brought that kind of intellect to the, to what he was doing. Um, I think the guy that I would take over on Quara would be Zuniga. Um, I thought he was tremendous, um, in terms of being a block shedder. 
um, you know, he just seemed like he was missing a little bit. I, I, I don't know if it was the rest of that defense. It seemed like a lot of his sacks, at least when I was watching, were cover sacks. He wasn't he wasn't winning quickly at the point of attack and and getting into the backfield on passing plays. But I thought on running plays he was exceptional um, at getting into the backfield and playing on the other line of scrimmage in the games that I watched. That tells me he has the ability to do that. He just needs to kind of have it kind of coached up in the right places. Um, but, and he also could move to the inside. I like that kind of like D end outside linebacker when we're talking about those type of guys. You know, again, we're differentiating with between Epinesa and Gross Matos and Zuniga versus guys like Taylor and Lewis um, and Bowne. Um, and I think that's going to be an interesting place for the Ravens to, to choose. But I like what Zuniga did on tape. Yeah, I was I was actually um, more impressed by Zuniga than I was expecting to be, um, and and then I looked up his kind of athletic profile as combine testing, and it was actually pretty impressive. He was he didn't have an amazing forty, but I think he was like a four seven guy, and then like decent size, two sixty six three. Like I think he's pretty well put together. Um, I I agree with you. He showed up in run defense a lot. Um, I think he had some issues with his quickness in terms of a pass rusher um i'm not sure he has that initial burst off the line that you'd like to see um but you know if that's the one kind of mark against him he i think he does have some of those pass rush ability um kind of like techniques that some of the other guys were more raw don't possess um so in terms of like a guy who you would probably be able to get in you know late second third round then I'm all in for with Zuniga. I think he would be a, a great third round traffic for the Ravens. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you like, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I didn't like Bradley and a, I was going to say the same thing. I, I, you know, I saw that he had a lot of pressures in college and I was like, I started watching him on film. I'm like, I don't see where, where these pressures are. He's just not showing up for me. I, I feel like he, did not look athletic enough to play on a college football field, much less an NFL football field. And yeah. I, I got the impression that he played really well in the senior bowl. And maybe that's why he kind of had some hype. Um, and that might be true. Um, but I'm not sure if that alone is enough to warrant, you know, a, a selection in the first three rounds, maybe it will be for him. Um, but he seemed like an average athlete. And I feel like there's another guy who kind of looked the same to me and that's Curtis Weaver who I thought would be a little bit more impressive um, playing actually against a lot of small school competition. Um, you know, he flew the flash upside at times as a pass rusher, but I didn't really see much in his overall game that, that said, you know, he's a guy you want to draft in the first two, first two days. You know what intrigued me about Weaver? I certainly, I mean, I think Weaver is at best a third round pick, the later of the Ravens third round picks, but if they got him, my question is, I mean, that Boise State defense was awful around him. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you watched the Florida State game, but it was on. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were times where he was getting, he was the only guy winning, and then the quarterback would just flick the ball up and the guy would be wide open down the field. <laughs> uh, you know, and so like I, I, when I watch guys like Zuniga and you, you see a better secondary around them and, and you see some of the sacks on the pressures that they're, they're getting, it, part of that is because some of the coverage is better. Yeah. Um, and so I wondered if, if Weaver would have been better if he wasn't on a terrible defensive team around him. Um, the other thing I liked is he did a lot of stuff. Um, they moved him around a lot. He played off the ball a lot. Um, he wasn't tremendous in coverage, but it was something that he, 
you know, they were willing to trust him to do, and that he did. And again, maybe Boise State, did, the rest of their defense was terrible, um, and he just had to do more. Um, but like, I, I don't know. He, he there was something about him that I liked in film, but it, it just it never showed up in a stat sheet, and it and it often didn't show up in kind of true pressures because there was nobody else generating pressure. Yeah, I. I... I saw some things out of him that I liked. I definitely prefer him to Bradley and A. Um, but I think that he didn't have very good agility in the open field. Like, if you saw him try to break down space, it, it wasn't pretty. Um, and I, I know, like you said, he did drop into coverage at times. Um, but he was, I mean, he, he could have been Michael Pierce dropping into coverage. Like, it, it was, he was just taking up space. He wasn't actually, like, doing anything that was more than just, you know, standing up and, and moving backwards. There was there was nothing I thought that was impressive. I thought some of the, like, compared to, like, Terrell Lewis and even Julian Aquara to a certain extent, guys who would actually be able to kind of run with a, with a running back or tight end into, like, the flat and stay with them, I, I don't think Weaver would have a chance in a situation like that. I think the last um, thing, yeah. What do you think of Trey yeah, yeah, I was going to mention him too, but um, so Tulsa um, is where Travis Gibson played. He played an interesting role in their de- defense. You know, he's listed as an edge guy. They had a weird defensive front where they would do like this kind of like shifted strong side defense with like the farthest defender being the three technique. It, it was kind of weird, uh, and that's the position that Gibson played a lot. It was kind of that three technique on like the weak side. Um, same thing I had to end, but like for me, yeah. I, I noticed the same thing. Um, but you know, he actually stood up decently well in that position. Like, he showed some ability to hold up against you know, defenders who were or offensive, you know, linemen who were much bigger than him. Um, he showed a little bit of quickness. He's not overly impressive, I don't think, but you know, I think you saw some ability of him to stack, shed, get off blocks, um, make plays. Um, I think that as a mid-round, kind of late-round, day four, day five guy, or sorry, round four, round five guy, I think he has. there's some intrigue there. He's got good size, um, decent athleticism, I think. Um, you know, he doesn't have that elite quickness or, um, you know, excellent pass rush arsenal. But I think that somebody who could get on day three, someone more, out, out of all the kind of late-round options, I would say, of the edge defenders, he, he's intriguing to me. Yeah, I thought you could see the raw talent. I just, you know, it was really, it was hard to see it translate because they used him in a really odd way for his size. Yeah. But you could see the raw talent there, and I think he could be interesting. I mean, I, th- I think there are a lot of guys that the Ravens could look at in, you know, a diverse set of ways. I, you know, I, I don't know if you've gotten to play around with a PFF um, mock simulator, but it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I think that's really what it's going to be all about is how the board falls and who's up first, where the runs are and how comfortable the Ravens are with the other positions that the runs aren't happening in, um, whether that's for trading back, trading up, or just staying where they are. Um, that, that, that's the thing that's really starting to stand out to me. I think, you know, when you're talking about like an Epidesa, Bound, Gross Matos, you know, they're all going to kind of cluster together, I think, when the draft rolls around. You're going to see guys like Jarrell Taylor and Terrell Lewis and Zuniga um, and Aquara, there's going to be a run when those four guys are starting to come off the board all together too. Um, and so it's just going to be a question of do those runs happen before the Ravens are going to have a shot to take some of these guys and then which positions are left. 
um, that haven't had those runs that are going to start next once they're able to get it on those. I know they can't be able to get the guy they want. Yeah, and I think this this year's draft is going to be really interesting to to watch and fold as well because obviously it's going to be a virtual draft, and I'm not sure how that hampers or inhibits the ability to make draft day trades. You know, because you don't have a war room of guys, you know, trying to figure out who's going to take who and who should we be in touch with to to you know think about trading up or trading down. And it's it's kind of going to be an uncharted territory in terms of how a team is going to be able to maneuver on draft day. And the Ravens are typically a team that, you know, does a lot of maneuvering on draft day and they see, they see the board unfold probably better than most teams. I would say they, they tend to do a great job of, of knowing where value is, how to find value. Um, and also identifying how they can see their board fitting into what other teams are trying to do. Um, so it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. You know, there's probably a lot of players that the Ravens have deemed as draftable, and, and, and I'm sure that counts for the outside linebacker, defensive end position as well. Um, but we'll see how important they kind of view the position, I think, is, is might be what we can take once the draft starts to unfold. Like, do they see it as a real need, um, perhaps, like I think you and I do, um, or do they see it as a position that you know will let that come to us, or is something that we need to kind of be more aggressive in, in getting? So we'll see how it stacks yeah. up. But um, I think also, that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm also interested to see whether they want a guy that's ready, that's more of a project. Like if Chase on slides to the Ravens, are they going to pass on him? Um, because they think he's not ready to contribute now and take a guy like Bound, who is ready to contribute right away. Are they going to take a guy like Aquara, who looks like he's not quite ready, or a guy like Terrell Lewis, who is going to be able to do a little bit more right away? I think that's going to tell us a lot about the future of the Ravens, too, and what they're thinking. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely an interesting perspective on it as well. Because, and it's also kind of what roles you want to have right. in terms of the guys you bring in. Like, they might see, you know, Matt Judon and Jalen Ferguson as their early down defenders, and then you have Bowser as kind of like the other guy you can come in and play different packages with. But maybe they want another guy who's just kind of their pass rusher. Um, and maybe in that case, then Aquara is the guy you want because he's probably the most refined pass rusher that you can, you know, come bring in, play 20 snaps a game for you, um, as opposed to like a, a Terrell Lewis, who is more of, of a run defender, I would say, an early down player. And then maybe you think you already have that in Jalen Ferguson. So that's not as much of a need. Are they looking at it strictly from the 2020 kind of perspective, though? Maybe not. Maybe they're seeing, I think, you know, Lewis is someone who they can develop into that three-down player eventually. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, for our next episode, I think we want to get into pass catchers next. I mean, between, you know, between outside linebackers, um, and these edge guys and and the the receivers, um, it's going to give us a good look. I think a good comprehensive look of where we are for who the Ravens can draft. I think the big wild card is do one of these offensive tackle guard type guys slide to the Ravens, and and whether or not that's something they're going to be interested in. Um, you know, but between between the three that we've covered, I think those three are going to be where we're seeing four of the five first picks between the first, second, and third round. So um, we'll get into them on the next episode. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.